Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us now, that we would hear your living word, that we would receive your word, that we would know your life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you summarise a person? If I were to ask you to describe your best friend, how would you do it? What would you say? What would you focus on? How would you decide what to share? You might talk about their strengths, their wit and humour, their dependability, their um, helpfulness. You might talk about how they have been such a good friend to you. You see, in lots of different situations, we describe people all the time. Perhaps you've been asked to write a reference for someone applying for a job. Or you've tried to match make two of your friends and set them up together. Or you introduce a friend to somebody else for the first time or at a business deal or something like that. And those are all hopefully happy occasions. But we also try to summarise a person in the event of a bereavement. Whenever I call round for a funeral visit uh, to prepare to write the tribute, I have a series of questions that we work through. Where the person was born and grew up and went to school, their hobbies, their work life, their family, their special memories. As the Apostle John sits down to write his gospel, his life of Jesus, he he doesn't start with Jesus beginning to preach as Mark does. He doesn't go as far back as Jesus' birth as Matthew and Luke do. John goes back even further. Right back to the very beginning. Not the beginning of Jesus' life, but the beginning of everything. Do you remember how the book of Genesis starts? In the beginning, God created the heavens And the earth. And John goes back to that very same moment and gives us the very same opening words. And it might be good if you turn back in the service sheet so that you have the passage in front of you. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John begins at the beginning with the word who already existed, at the word who was with God, the word who was God. This word, this logos, is God's self-expression, his wisdom, his speaking out. Now I don't know about you, but 
Sometimes it might feel as if you're speaking and nobody's listening. You ask someone to do something and, well, you might as well talk to that wall. (laughs) You've experienced that as well. Your words feel as if they have no power at all. But it's not like that with God. Genesis tells us that God spoke creation into being. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Or as John puts it here in in verse uh, 2 or verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It was by the word of the Lord that all things were made. As God spoke, the word made them. John continues to show us how powerful this word is, this um, person of God is. Life and light are in him. The light of the word shines. Well, as you take in the uh, wonder of this word, John shifts the focus for a moment. It's as if he uh, puts you in a time machine and you're transported from that uh, very first moment of creation to a time about 2,000 years ago. He tells us about this man sent by God whose name was John. Not the writer of the gospel, but John the Baptist. Now why does he do that? Why does he shift from talking about the word to talking about John the Baptist? Well, look at what he says about John. Verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Twice we're told that John came to bear witness. That's a courtroom word. A witness tells the court what they have heard and seen. No speculation. No surmising. Just the facts. So imagine that you're driving home from church today and you see a robbery taking place. You see someone trying to smash in a window and go in and grab something. You would be brought along to court. You would be asked what you saw, not why you think the person did it. The facts are what a witness brings. Your evidence would be used to bring a verdict, a decision. And it's the very same with John. He was sent to bear witness that all might believe through him. John tells us about the light, about this word, so that all might believe. Evidence leads to a decision, to belief, to faith. And yet sometimes people refuse to believe no matter how much evidence they're given. Look at verse 9. The true light 
which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The word who made the world wasn't known by the world. What a tragedy. The one who gave them everything that they had, and yet they don't recognize him. Like a child who wants to take everything that a parent will give them without spending any time with the parent, without wanting to be seen with the parent. And that tragedy is all the more in verse 11. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Like the child who disowns their parent. Or imagine a a cup winning team. And they have an open top bus tour of their town and nobody comes out to see them. Nobody bothers to welcome them. No one wants to know. Jesus came to his own. The people who were waiting for him, the people who were prepared for him and yet they didn't receive him. And yet there's this wonderful promise. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God. You see, the only way to become a child of God is to be born of God. John tells us how you can't become a a child of God at verse 14. It's not of blood. So it doesn't matter if your family are Christians. That doesn't make you a Christian. It's not of the will of the flesh. You can't work really hard to achieve it for yourself. And it's not uh, the will of man that you decide to become a child of God uh, on your own by yourself. You become a child of God by being born of God. You have the right to become a child of God by believing in the word, this true light who was coming into the world. Now if you were listening closely to our readings today, you'll have noticed that the passage from the end of John's gospel matches the one that we have here from the very start of John's gospel. In that other reading at the bottom of the page, John says that he could have written about lots of things that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. That Jesus did many wonderful signs. But he couldn't have written them all down. These are written. John's gospel is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing... You may have life in his name. 
Evidence leads to believing. And believing leads to life. It's the pattern we see in this first chapter. We hear John the Baptist witness. We believe in Jesus. We become children of God. And it's the pattern that John has for the whole gospel. It's like uh, the key that will unlock every passage uh, in uh, this book. Look at verse 14. Which is perhaps the best known verse from our passage today. uh, The verse that we always hear uh, in the last reading at the carol service at Christmas. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How do you summarize a person? This is John's summary of Jesus Christ. The Word. God in the beginning who made everything. This Word became flesh. The everlasting word took on our flesh. As the child in Sunday school at once said, God with skin on. And he stepped into time. He stepped into the universe he made and sustains. This word dwelt among us. He moved into the neighborhood. But do you know, that sounds a little bit too posh, moved into the neighbourhood. The word that John uses is tabernacle, pitched his tent. It's the word that's used for the tent of God in the Old Testament as the Israelites come out of Egypt at the Passover. As they wander through the wilderness and eventually make it to the promised land. The Ark of the Covenant, God's symbolized presence with them, was in this tent, this tabernacle. And John says that the word tabernacled, he pitched his tent among us. Imagine if the president of France was to move into one of the tents in the Calais refugee camp. And yet even that doesn't show the scale of the difference. The the stepping down into a different situation. God is with us. In the muck and mess of life. God is with us. In the darkness of our world. The word dwelt among us, John says, and we have seen his glory. Over this autumn term, we'll be listening to John's eyewitness testimony. He wrote it down for you. So that you would hear the words that Jesus said. So that you would see the things that Jesus did. 
And he tells us why he did that. So that you would hear and believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that by believing you may have life in his name. How do you summarize a person? John's word is glory. The glory of God in our human flesh. The glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Word became one of us. My prayer is that we too will see Jesus' glory. That we too will meet with him, perhaps for the very first time. To believe in him and to experience that fullness of life. Will you receive him? Will you welcome him in as you believe in him? It's the only way to find real life. To be welcomed in as a child of God. To share what Jesus had before the creation of the world. Because the only son gives us the right to become children of God. As we believe in him. So come today. Receive him today and find life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he stepped down into time. That he took our flesh upon him. That he lived that perfect life. That he showed us what it is to know you. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to believe in him. To share in his inheritance. Help us today to know him. For we pray it in his precious name. Amen.